Welcome to the Servants of Grace podcast hosted by Dave Jenkins. Our podcast exists to provide trustworthy expository messages through the Bible and faithful answers to your theology questions. Now for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Servants of Grace podcast and to our theology segment. Today, one of our listeners writes in and says, Dave, can you help us understand why Jesus is the divine word? Well, this is a great, great question. You see, uh, the Gospel of John differs from the other Gospel accounts in many ways, chiefly among them, the beginning of his count of Jesus. It starts with Jesus. In fact, the Gospel of John is considered the most Christological or the most centered on the person and the work of Jesus of all the Gospels. That's not to say that, that the other Gospels aren't focused on Jesus. That's just that John is more theological and that his intent is to unveil or to explain more about the person and the work of Jesus. Well, like the other Gospel writers, John wants us to understand that Jesus is God-made flesh, the only God who became truly man. Matthew and Luke approach this by explaining the virgin birth, but John's prologue, the, the opening to his gospel, it gives us a theological explanation of Jesus coming into the world, beginning with his eternal origin before the creation of all things. Well, well, John starts in chapter 1 with, in the beginning was the word of God. And this mirrors the way in which the Old Testament begins in Genesis 1.1, which says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So John places Jesus where we expect God in the beginning. The subject of this gospel, the man Jesus who lived, died, and rose again, is thus identified as God. John 1.1 teaches Jesus the and three respects, beginning with his eternal being. In the beginning was the Word. So when creation was made, Jesus here is designated as the Word, already was, existed. This is an an essential statement during the church's fight with the earliest heretics in the third century AD. Considered Arius, for instance, whose heresy articulated ideas that began uh, being shared during John's life and prompted the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. So Arius maintained that Jesus, though certainly godlike in many aspects, was nonetheless not God. Arius argued that Jesus was a created being, however glorious and close to God. But John tells us instead that when time and creation began, Jesus already was. Leon Morris says this, The word existed before creation, which makes it clear that the word was not created. The word is not to be included among created things. Now, if the word already was in the beginning, then either he must have been with God or he must have been God. Well, John is teaching both here. His second statement was that the word was with God. This tells us that the word is a person who has a relationship with God. In the creation of Genesis account of Genesis chapter 1, we read, And God said nine times. It was by God's word that he brought creation into being. Now, John tells us that this word is a person who was with God. This statement sheds light on Genesis 1.26 which says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image. God was speaking to the Word. And John clarifies this in verses 2 through 3. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made that was made. And so the Word is God's executioner in creation, the agent who accomplished the will of God. God said in Genesis 1-3, Let there be light, and the Word made light. All throughout the Bible, it is God's Word that does God's will. 
Psalm 33, 6 emphasizes this by stating, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. In Psalm 107, 20 states, He sent out His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And so the word who made creation also brings God's salvation. Now with this in mind, we see that John wants us to understand not only the eternity of the word, but also the personhood of the word. You see, the word is a person, the companion of God himself. And this warns us against another heresy, namely that which denies the distinct personhood of the various members of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity states, in the unity of the Godhead there are three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's in the Westminster Confession of Faith uh, 2.3. It's hard for us to understand how there can be only one God, but three distinct persons in that God. But verses such as this cause us to believe it. You see, when John speaks of the word, he means that God the Son, Jesus Christ, who eternally lives in relationship with and does the will of God the Father. Now, some people would deny that these are distinct persons, instead seeing the Father and the Son as different modes of the one, undifferentiated God. But while one person can be by himself, he is never with himself. John insists that the Word is a distinct person. The Word was with God. Third, verse 1 makes a straightforward statement that the Word not only is a companion to God, but is himself divine. Well, secular voices such as the conspiracy theory novelist Dan Brown in his bestseller The Da Vinci Code and liberal scholar Bart Ehrman asserts that Christians never considered Jesus to be God until the Council of Nicaea in the 4th century. But here, in a clear language, the Apostle John writes, refuting this, and he says, And the Word was God. He repeats this claim in John 1.18, saying that the one who is at the Father's side is himself the only God. Well, likewise, at the Gospel's end, when the resurrected Jesus appears to doubting Thomas, the disciples fall before him and cry out, My Lord and my God, in John 20, 28. That is the Christian's confession. John wants us to know from the beginning of his Gospel that Jesus Christ, the Word, is God. Because it states Christ's deity so plainly, John 1, 1 has long come under attack. Beginning with Arius, his argument is used by Jehovah's Witnesses today. It's that John does not teach that Jesus is God, but rather that Jesus is a godlike creature. He is divine, but he's not deity. And this is based on the fact in the final phrase of verse 1. John places a definitive article, the, before were, but not before God. So Jehovah's Witnesses argue, John says the word was a God, but not the God. Well, here's our reply. First, it is clear throughout the gospel that John intends for us to identify Jesus as God. Our teaching of Christ's deity does not depend on this verse, and what John says elsewhere clarifies his meaning. Consider, for instance, the indisputable assertion of deity in John 1.1, which describes Jesus as the only God who is at the Father's side. Second, if John meant that Jesus was divine but not a deity, there was a perfectly good Greek word, theos, that he did not use. The word he did use, theos, meaning God, and not God-like. Third, while the Arian and the Jehovah's Witnesses argument might convince novices in New Testament Greek, the Greek grammar does not demand a definitive article for both of the nouns when they are joined in this way. It's common for one definitive article to serve for both nouns. And so the grammatical argument is simply wrong. It doesn't make sense. Fourth, there is an obvious reason for John's construction. His point is to identify the word as both God, meaning God the Father, and also as distinct from God. 
So if he had written the word was the God, that would be identifying Jesus with God in a way that would render them indistinguishable. His point is to specify Christ's deity while also distinguishing him from God the Father. Martin Luther said this text is a strong and valid attestation of the divinity of Christ. Everything depends on this doctrine. It serves to maintain and support all other doctrines of our Christian faith, and therefore the devil assailed it very early on in the history of Christendom, and he continues until this day. John in his gospel wants us to realize Christ's deity and his relationship to God the Father, insisting on Jesus' divine sonship for our salvation. See, Jesus is God the executor, doing the will of his Father, God the ordainer, within the perfect harmony of the Trinity. A.W. Pink nicely wraps up this discussion when he says, The one who was heralded by the angels to the Bethlehem shepherds, who walked this earth for 33 years, who was crucified at Calvary, and who rose in triumph from the grave, uh, and who, 40 days later, departed from these scenes, was none other than the Lord of glory. Thank you for listening to the Servants of Grace podcast today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating on the app, and share our episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to, you can follow us on Instagram at Servants of Grace, on Twitter at Servants of Grace, or by searching Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this podcast on the front page of our website at servantsofgrace.org.